Hello guys, welcome to K-pop fighting. This is the host TYB. You guys can call me T. And here's another host, Gyun. Hi guys, my name is Gyun. I'm an artist from Seoul, South Korea. And you have a single that's available on Spotify. What is it? Uh, yeah, the song is called I Know. Uh, it's my first and currently my only single out. So you guys can go and check that out. It's my first K-pop single. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, lo- I, lo- I like this, so I really recommend you guys to check it out. And I also wrote a book called The Time for K-pop. It's a history book about K-pop. You got, it's available on Kindle. Both of the like Gyun's single and my book link will be available in anywhere you go. So please check it out. And then we will actually start this channel for like discussing K-pop stories and then like sharing with you guys. So please uh, uh, share it if you like it and ask questions if you like it and give us a five-star rate when you're available. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So let's start. For today, our issue is actually we don't want to start with the story of the one human being. I mean, that makes sense because humans are... As a, obviously one story and then I like to we would like to actually start with the Shiok Bang Bang Shiok and yeah. when we say Shiok Bang who is he but once you can say he's the father of BTS and producer of BTS and everyone would realize oh that's who he is and then he's the guy that always does an interview when there's a B- BTS and he's the owner of the Hype which is the music label that basically BTS made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very big, big, uh, large label. So before we start, uh, Gyun, what did you think of Bang Shiyak before we started preparing? I mean, you're an artist, so there's got to be an assumption. Yeah, I know he's a mogul in the music business. Yeah. Uh, I know he's a big dude. Uh, he, he wrote a lot of hit songs, and he's father of BTS. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I knew he was a big guy. But uh, I never knew what he was big for. Mm. Uh, so uh, after p- preparing for this podcast, I uh, uh, I got to learn about him more. And now I know he's a big dude in the music business. Yeah. Uh, not just business, uh, uh, not in the business aspect, but also in the music aspect. Oh. He's been through a lot. Uh, he helped... Uh, he helped build the music's uh, structure for modern K-pop. So yeah, uh, he's a bit, he's a great dude. No. Uh, yeah. Like I always thought of him as someone who is behind BTS, and some people think like when we're pointing out a person behind the idol, we're like degrading idol and, and maybe just attacking them for being a puppet of someone but that's I, I don't think that's the case especially for BTS right I think they're sincere artists and although they're artists they need someone to support them like so for me even before preparing for this episode to me Bang Shiyeok was always like a Epstein for Beatles right right like because after his demise when he was when he was dead. After that, the BTS just got crushed and they never recovered. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, we all know BTS is a great artist, obviously. But although they were like great, one of the greatest artists ever, they couldn't survive without the support from their manager. So although Bang Shiyeok is more of an executive, not a manager, but mm -hmm. like you can think of what it is. And he's more like a, I guess, producer. And he, he, he composed, I mean, before like a hit single like Dynamite, most, not most, all of BTS songs had a credit of Bang, Bang Shi Young yeah. in it. So he was participating in it. Maybe he was not a main producer, but yeah, but he was in it. So yeah, you can't deny his like, it's unde undeniable that he supported and he helped BTS became who they were. So obviously BTS is one of the biggest K-pop group ever. So talking about like the Bang Shiyeok who was like a hidden shadow of BTS might give us some chance to think of K-pop a bit differently and maybe yeah. even more deeply so let's start and start with his life previous before he became obviously the the owner of BTS and producer of BTS yeah, we. I knew that he went to Seoul National University. Right, right. Which is like Harvard, when Caltech, MIT, all of those like Stanford, all those smart school add into one mm -hmm. school basically. So he was smart basically, but that's all I knew before we started. But was there anything particularly that was interesting that you researched, Yun? Uh, yeah. Basically, the fact that he was a. Seoul National University student yeah. really surprised me. Oh yeah, <laughs> the fact that he uh, he was smart, uh, like book smart. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that kind of helped him through the music business also. So that's the part really surprised me. Oh. Because I never never knew about it. Oh uh, okay. Yeah, but the way he speaks, I I know that he was smart, but I I didn't know he was like book smart. Yeah, so it's very interesting. I mean, that's very Korean. We will for the first five weeks we have like a almost like a producer week. We'll talk about all those musicians behind K-pop or producers behind K-pop, and most of them went to like very prestigious college. <laughs> yeah, and that's very Korean, I guess. <laughs> Even the singers or music producers should go to like a good college, but also it kind of made sense because for them, like. We're talking about 80s or 90s. You need to know English to learn pop music. And that already is pretty hard, I guess. That's pretty hard to learn. So mm -hmm. you need certain book smart. You need to be book smart a little bit, I guess. Yeah. One thing that kind of intrigued me before he became a musician was he his, like, uh, his love for manga, like Japanese cartoon. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's always reading this uh, shonen manga or even even like girls romance manga too and mm -hmm. she sometimes cry because, before, because of that and you can see that actually in high right now he's making webtoon or he's making some web novel based on their idols mm -hmm. which is very manga centric yeah so so I can see why he has such a like not not Japanese, but like some sort of like, like Japan manias feeling in, mm -hmm. in it, which to me was very interesting. So that was one thing that kind of intrigued me. 
Yeah, I think that also inspires people to dig in deeper mm. uh, uh, for I their agree. love for K-pop idols. Uh, I think the those uh, those contents really uh-huh. uh, build the world for the K-pop idols. Uh, really add the depth behind it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess the term world building might suit well. So. I guess his passion for, you know, Japanese culture or Korean culture as well really helps him, like, build the world for their for, for his artists. Mm, nice. Yeah. I agree, I agree. That's... You have to, like, dig something before you, you know, find out something, yeah. no matter what it is. But obviously, like, think of it as a 80s or 90s Korea. Obviously parents did not like this smart-ass kid to <laughs> become a musician. So no. the parents did not accept his, you know, what should I say, his interest in music. So he had to go to Seoul National University. And then his, uh, it's, it's interesting, his major was even like some sort of philosophy, like philosophy about beauty. Uh, yeah, uh. What is it called, actually? Like, in English, I, I mean, no one usually used that. Uh, yeah, uh, he he wanted to go to the law school, yeah. but he uh, he didn't. Like, to, to be safe, uh, I'm, I'm reading the information about him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he got into this art school, I guess, but... More of a beauty school, mm. uh, like a- aesthetics. Yeah, aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, that's very. Might be the case. Interesting, cause like, if if you think of BTS, there is some kind of like very beautiful and very almost discadent, almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> type of feeling in it, and that kind of suits well with him actually. So, you can feel his like philosophical and like manga like sh- like girls romance manga like feeling mm-hmm. in it when you can find that in bts so i can see what what he was like learning from college for sure but obviously he was not a good college student because he went to, <laughs> he decided to become a musician so he did a lot of band and sold music and he got third place in using music competition mm-hmm. which is like a indie pop music competition so very different than what he does right now, pop and hip-hop based. Yeah. But we will talk about Yu because Yu is very, very, extremely important music producer and composer yeah. in Korean history. But we'll talk talk about that later. So, bef- But sooner or later, he got like an opportunity to become more commercial pro- composer by meeting this guy, JYP. Yeah. So he- <laughs> Another big figure. Yeah, JYP. yeah, yeah. JYP. And it's the JYP, Jin Young Park, who is the owner of JYP right now. So actually, JYP was a, what should I say? He was a boss of Bang Shihak. Mm-hmm. So it's like, come to think of it, like, you can think of it as JYP as a Jedi and Bang yeah, Shihak as, as a, a Padawan. Padawan, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they learned each other. So he was a pupil and uh, he started his commercial music career by like becoming a producer and he makes the beats for the Jin Young Parks of yeah. course Jin, with the Jin Young Parks instruction mm-hmm. so he makes 
tons of cool music like the first generation K-pop artists like G.O.D.'s Friday Night or One Candle. Those were all like mega, mega hit songs. Yeah, really big. Really big songs. And then many, many like I Do of Rain or or what was it? The Lim Jung-hee's single, Music of Is My Life. Oh, all, yeah. All kinds of beats. They were, he was making that kind of beats for the JYP. But at first, of course, he was a pupil of JYP. So uh, in the beginning, his music was more of a part of JYP's bigger picture. Yeah. But later, he got like more into his own path and like, after a certain point, his music is a bit different from JYP, I can see. Yeah. So, like, we... I, I actually created a Spotify playlist of, of about 25 songs about Bang Xiaok so that you guys can check his history. And when I listened to it, it was very interesting to see, like, the first couple, five, six songs that were made by JYP. So, and then after certain five songs, he became more into ballad, like, Melancholy ballads. Yeah. And he had a huge success in it. Like 2 a.m. That's, mm -hmm. I think, their first. Uh, I think that's Shiok Bang's first um, success in music industry by himself independently. Mm -hmm. So that was very different. That although J.Y. Park could write ballad, he could sing ballad, J.Y.P., the label, is more for the dance. Yeah. Especially like the 80s, 70s funk by Michael Jackson-like music. But then yeah. Xi Bang's label, before BTS obviously, was more a ballad label actually. Yeah. So you checked their music before or like during, before or during JYP days. So like what did you think of those music that I shared? Uh, uh, I, I can really see uh, that he was really... Uh, on the mainstream side of, mm. of music. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of felt uh, that he was kind of wanting to do his own thing. Yeah. Uh, by, you know, like, mixing those uh, sounds uh, that was really hot uh, in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, you know, such, a, such as, like, Timbaland, yeah. Britney Spears, Pharrell, or, you know, N.E.R.D. N.E.R.D. Uh, uh, on the song uh, called uh, wait, Come To Me by Om Jong Hwa, yeah, yeah. which was a song written by Bang Xiok, uh, I could really sense the feeling of those vibes, early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, I guess, avant-garde type of feeling. Uh, really far from... Uh, the mainstream K-pop song, <laughs> more like an American pop. Exactly, yeah. But it the lyrics are all in Korean. the The main melody feels Korean, I guess. So, uh, I could feel that he was experimenting a lot of stuff, and he was like kind of his own thing. So, yeah. <laughs> actually, the Om Jong Hwa is one of the most important actually, K-pop diva of all time mm -hmm. she's probably the most important one and then but come to me is not well-loved song or well-received song at all oh oh really yeah yeah no one knew it but like they thought of it more like a the current song like too morally 
wrong almost right. because it was more. I think it's because it was too what should I say innovative yeah. at that time. It was very extremely innovative and sure sexual and very. It has a melancholy mood, but yeah, like seductive. I yeah, guess. very seductive. But like ironically, when you hear it, you can feel like, like when you listen to his song and then the Joe Kwan's. Uh, I'm the one. Oh yeah, or animal. That kind of animal. hit singles, and then BTS. There's certain like similarities between them. Like there's there's some kind of certain theme that's going on and on. Mm-hmm. But with BTS, although they have that kind of very melancholy mood, it's covered with very you know healthy and very powerful and very positive vibe. Right, right. That now the Korean, not just Korean, obviously. The, all the global audience kind of accept his mu- music and I think Come To Me is actually the starting point of BTS music actually almost oh really yeah I can feel that yeah because there's some kind of mood mm-hmm. that's very melancholy and very it's very sexual and very party vibe but there's some s- s- sort of sadness in it which, yeah. which is I think what makes BTS so successful like the mixture of those very complicated feelings. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to call their music as emo. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know this one BTS song that I really like. It's called "Save Me." Yeah. Or uh, "Fake Love." Oh yeah. Those two singles. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure if "Save Me" was a single, but those two songs were. They gave me a really emo type of feeling. I can see that. Uh, and Korean emo, I guess. Like yeah, yeah. Korean ballad type of energy. Exactly. Uh, mixed with these hip-hop or EDM type of sounds. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was really innovative. Uh, so, kind of like hybrid uh, between those Om Jong Hwa days and more ballad days. Mixed with, uh, mixed into... BTS songs, so I I can totally get what you mean. That's I really like this song, and actually that album, the Prestige, is probably one of the best Om Jong Hwa album album ever, and mm-hmm. many critics loved it. But like, it was a cursed, well received album oh, yeah. that like only critics loved it. So like, but I can see that. Yeah, but I think that kind of sh- now come to think of it now, that kind of shows where Bang Shiok was going. I think, mm-hmm. and then. Although his uh, his team 2AM was a huge hit in Korea, it didn't receive well in America. I mean, before he became made BTS and big hit entertainment back then, he was doing many things like the what is the Great Beginning, the yeah the audition the program. audition program. He was a judge and everyone hated him actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, he was perceived as a critique. Yeah, uh, like really. Uh, really judgy type of vibe. Yeah, and then uh, he was very angry about people kind of ignoring K-pop or idol mm-hmm. music. Oh, we're banned, so we're better than K-pop. I mean, nowadays no one thinks like after. K- this is all before BTS, guys. Yeah, okay? way before. <laughs> so after BTS, no one make fun of idols, especially BTS. Yeah. But before BTS, they think of it as lower, like degrade version of musicians. So. Even like the producer like Bang Shiyo was degraded too, mm-hmm. actually. But he was angry about it, actually. Yeah. But that wasn't well received back then, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was like a decade ago, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Like 
almost almost 20 years ago not, yeah. not quite but and so really uh musicians back then perceived music uh, perceived k-pop mainstream music as a monetized one exactly yeah it really uh so i guess and i totally get where why mr bong uh said that because you know you got to be good in order to make money off of music yeah so yeah uh, and that's kind of ironic because those indie rock bands who said we're not we're not going for money mm-hmm. but their you know raw models were big band like oasis and muse yeah they're like trillionaires yeah. <laughs> and yeah and then so like they're super mainstream exactly and then their music is mainstream and they do have like a big music label right right and they uh, do work with the media and like other business majors to like make business basically mm-hmm. so it was very ironic and ironically after i think it's not not fair to say bts is a starting point but probably g-dragon or big bang is a starting point oh yeah, yeah. g-dragon yeah <laughs> but now like people like the band of band muse or kanye west or missy elliott that kind of mm-hmm. huge musicians are now starting to respect k-pop idols starting with g-dragon then yeah. obviously rm or other bts members yeah the starting point was probably g-dragon i think yeah, y- yeah but like with that with that actually it crushes and makes something even bigger happens and i think g-dragon and exo were the influence mm-hmm. that forced Bang Shiok to make boy band mm-hmm. because uh, if you can see the playlist like first five of them are sort of hip hop pop but after that many 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 of them are ballad mm-hmm. so he was actually well known for his ballad music yeah but and most of his mu- musicians from his label Big Hit was ballad but he kind of was forced to become making boy band seeing Big Bang's G-Dragon uh, actually there was one th- saying actually it, this was well, not well received either Bang Shiok once said that when I listen to G-Dragon's music I feel like Salier who is listening to Mozart oh, oh, oh. and then they're like you're, you're saying you're Salier you're saying G-Dragon is Mozart but like now guess what I don't know about G-Dragon but Bang Shiok is clearly not Salier yeah <laughs> he's no. one of the biggest producer ever in Korea history mm-hmm. but like people did not like it they thought Salier or Mozart were way better than G-Dragon or Bang Shiok but mm-hmm. that's how much he envied G-Dragon and Big right. Bang right and also he had a huge respect on Suman Lee too because the SM owner yeah. the then owner of SM and legend yeah he's a legend obviously <laughs> and then he was very uh, he his his group EXO, which is probably the biggest group before BTS, yeah, was a huge hit in not only Korea but also Japan and China, which yeah. kind of made Bang Shiok think of like something bigger could happen. Like so, he st- I heard he started making like a study group to learn boy band because he never made boy band before. No. Yeah, before. Mm-hmm. So hence he actually. Trans- actually, at first, he kind of gathered all the indie rappers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, did, he did. Yeah, like RM or the Binzi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, all other kinds of rappers. There's rumors around rumors and rumors mm-hmm. of 
many many famous rappers who were yeah actually, like also late rapper uh, Iron yeah 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 he he used to be a friend of RM like I'm pretty sure they were in the same hip hop crew yeah yeah so Iron was also in the same debut uh, kind of group yeah with RM uh, at first I heard actually like the Bang Xiao found out about RM and then he, oh yeah right he, he like he was dedicated to debut him it's, we gotta make him a mm-hmm. star but then at first he made like a hip hop crew type you know almost like Wu-Tang Clan yeah. <laughs> type like hip hop trainees but that didn't work well nope. so he was the, the team changed their concepts multiple times into BTS what we know right now yeah so there were some singers, some dancers, so it's like all, all like all kinds of like talents were gathered and yeah. then made BTS. We're not gonna talk too much about BTS because obviously Bangshia was behind him, but it was a team effort. Yeah. And what makes difference is BTS, obviously Big Bang too, but like BTS too, like it was clearly artists who were actually driving the force mm-hmm. of this whole career. So. Yeah. So yeah. The rest of it is, is is history, basically. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're not gonna talk about it too much about it, but let's talk some like some part of it. Like there were like three, four eras of mm-hmm. of BTS, and the first era is high school. Era. Yeah, the school trilogy. Yeah, uh, and that the, during that era, like BTS was not as successful as obviously right now. Like they never had like a number one hit single. Mm-hmm. But that was all my memorization. But then, see, because of this episode, I checked all his, like, and his singles from schools. Yeah. And it was actually way better than my my memory. Like, it was. I was shocked. Like, they were great. I was like, why didn't they get number one? This is awesome songs. And yeah. it was great concepts. Like, A Boy in Love. Mm-hmm. I was really intrigued by it. It was, like, very, very, in a good way. It was, like, way, way innovative than I thought and yeah it was not it was not like what should I say awkward or it wasn't immature or anything it was just good music already at first I, yeah. I, I was very shocked by it actually yeah uh, like also like songs such as Danger yeah yeah uh, Hormone War uh, I'm that not was sh- a great one yeah, yeah that one's a great one and you know like you said Boy in Love uh, it has like a high school, you know, adolescent energy in it. Like, yeah. I believe they were also in their teenage days. I don't, uh, I think so. Yeah, so, like, the way uh, they carry their energy inside their music and performance, it really has that uh, youth type of feeling. Yeah, and the hip-hop concept really suited well with it. Yeah. And obviously, it was the centered by BTS, but people, it was a Bang Xiao who let them do it, you know. It's, right, right. Which is very, I think, very edgy. It's very, it's not easy to do that actually. Yeah, because uh, you know, we all know uh, all the teenagers around the world, uh, you know, hate school. Yeah, obviously. Uh, want to be in love. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we all know that, but uh, the Korean society back then was more a conservative one. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And as a businessman, uh, he might have 
not been sure whether this might be successful or not. Mm. Uh, I see. But, you know, he was the one who gambled uh, and uh, this punk type of energy, I guess. Yeah. Like, really, that uh, uh, represents the youth and teenagers. Uh, the way he let, let them do it and the way he uh, organized these ideas together, I think it was really, really edgy for him to do it. Successful. Uh, I think it was also very truthful and very authentic. I mean, yeah, I, I lo- loved other similar groups like Block B, yeah, where Zico is, and then there is obviously the Icon yeah. by Bi and Bobby. They all had this adolescent hip hop energy, but they were too good, you know. <laughs> yeah, but BTS sounds and feels like actually from high schoolers. Yeah. It's, it's not, immature. Yeah, it, not saying that they're not not good singers. Like oh, their their awesome. energy. Yeah, their their energy is authentic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, probably at that point, I think Icon was a better singer skillfully. Than, oh, yeah, right, right. Than BTS, but BTS had more energy in it. They were like working the hardest, basically. Yeah, <laughs> they worked their ass off, basically. That was very special and. One thing I wanted to point out about Bang Shiyeok, another one is, he concentrated less on the Korea and he concentrated more on the global audience. Oh yeah. Well, he never planned to making a Billboard number one mm-hmm. in America or anything, but he was planning to explore it into Japan, China, and the West, Southwest Asia because uh, one classic example of it is many people in Korea thought. BTS didn't go to TV because they had a lesser power than mm-hmm. that of JYP's GOT7 or YG's Icon, Icon or Winner. What else? Winner or what is the SM group? The SM, it's... EXO or NCT. NCT, I guess. Yeah. EXO or NCT. They were, we thought, well, it's more of a EXO, I think, because NCT is way back yeah, after way BTS. Yeah, way after BTS blew up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like, where... What I thought, and many people, many Korean people thought that actually they did it because he didn't have a media power, but actually it wasn't. The Bang Shiok's in, in one interview said it was his point. He wanted to concentrate on Twitter or YouTube or that kind of, you know, social media. Social power. I yeah, guess. social power and something that they can control. And we all know how that worked out right now. Yeah, they have a really loyal fan base uh, and people connect themselves with the artist yeah uh like uh i mean like every other k-pop like boy bands or girl groups do it as well but i believe bts done it very well probably like they done it the best and they were the Uh, game changer they made it now and now we feel like it there's some downside in it but it's almost like music we're almost like the singers are now music influencer they're music tiktoker almost right and BTS is the one who started it. That's, I think, what made them so special. And then that strategy is surely from Bang Shiok. Yeah. Well, because BTS is too busy making music, writing yeah. lyrics, and making a choreography. So, like, it, the Bang Shiok strategy, the bigger plan, actually worked extremely well. And then, for sure. Yeah. So then we went to the, the moment, the most beautiful moment in life trilogy. And that, that era was amazing, actually. Yeah. I still remember, like, I listened to I Need You, and I realized that 
all right, these guys will explode. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> too big, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Way too big. I used to live in America oh. uh, when those three albums came out. Yeah. Uh, I was an elementary school student. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I used to live by K-Town. Uh, oh, all right. In, uh, in this town called Sunnyvale. Oh, nice. It is in Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah, uh, And every now and then, me and my family uh, walk, walk to the Korean store yeah. to get some groceries and stuff. Uh, every time we go there, there's this one particular song that comes <laughs> out. I didn't know what it was, but it was really catchy. Oh. And it wasn't EXO. Oh. It wasn't GOT7. Uh, and like a few years later, I came back to Korea. And there, uh, another song, Fire, probably, oh, blew yeah. up. Yeah. Literally blew up. Uh, and looking back, it was probably BTS. Yeah. Like their song has th- this different element into yeah, their yeah, music. Yeah, you, can, you can't miss it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So... They were really popular in South East Asia and South West Asia, both of them. And yeah. they were really popular in the South America too. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of spread like a wildfire, like globally, actually. Yeah, like their song Fire. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no yeah. pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a, all kinds of huge hit songs like DNA. And those, those are more Love Yourself era, right? And right, then, right. And what is it, the. Love, sweat, and tears. Oh, oh, blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, blood, sweat, yeah, and tears. Yeah. That was, that was a huge, huge hit. I mean, yeah. Like, I think that was the first album that they went to Billboard chart. Right, right. And then they were like, we all knew that. Okay, now BTS is number one now. <laughs> and then we thought that was the end, but then we all know after that. <laughs> yeah, they kept breaking their limits, which surprised me. Yeah, I mean, like they had to make made like a. Mega mega hit singles like Fake Love. Oh man. <laughs> the MIC drop and like all kinds of singles. They were all great and like even now it's it's like what over five years almost? Yeah. And like those single singles like aged so well. Like it feels like it's like brand new and which is really hard in K pop. Most yeah, songs definitely. Go, most songs go go away really fast. But that song's those singles were all really great. And one thing that kind of I wanted to po- point out is, although Bang Xiao wasn't like probably the main producer, main beat maker, but before Dynamite, all the songs of BTS had a credit of Bang Xiao in it. Yeah. So which means he was sort of in control of it, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and I Need You is a very interesting single for me because it was produced by Brother Sue. Oh yeah, right, yeah, right. So right. he's like a so for people who doesn't know, it's he's like a indie, not indie, but sort of indie, sort of indie, sort of indie R and B producer singer yeah. from actually, actually he's from that. Ah, uh, where is it from the? I think he's from the idol. He's he 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 was in the idol label actually. Uh, Brother Sue was. Yeah, he was. Let me check. He went to... Yeah, he... Starship Entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> That's where your big boss was, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> the Mad Clowns group. And Brother Sue was a top liner and producer for so many, like, American music. And not American music, but many, many idol music. And then he did, like, the Monster X, Gravity, all kinds of, like, K-Will. Yeah, he also wrote 
a song for Blackpink also. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Like It Was Your Last, right? Mm-hmm. That song. But he did I Need You, and that song was really a great, great, actually. Yeah. Hit. And I think that kind of sh- was intrigued to me. Like, they so bought a song from Korean, sort of indie, but like singer-songwriter, like minority. They, yeah. They're not like major hit bigger. But then they bought it and then put some effort to change it, like P-Dog or Bang Jia or like obviously the members all mm-hmm. put their effort in it to change the style into BTS style. And then the song was such a, had some like very unique energy that kind of, to me, that kind of a unique, melancholic, yet energetic, very positive, but yet very almost, you know, almost like sad, too sad, it, all, it almost feels good type of feeling. Oh, like yeah. A very mixture of very, very different song music. And that kind of BTS style is kind of in, into all those songs that they made. And yeah. that kind of, which made them so unique and very special, I think. Definitely. So like the, so I can't think of like, think of it and like, Bang Xiao was definitely part of that moment. And him being a ballad producer, very melancholy, songs and melancholy melody yeah put a huge part in it i think really emotional yeah very emotional it's you said i think what you said is really right like you said bts is not emo but their music is very emotional yeah i think the same way too they are not like playboy cardi no (laughs) not at all but like their music is so emo it's full of emotion and yeah it's a mixture of like the brightness and the darkness yeah. in one like song, one beat, like that. The it's not just a mixture of like she everyone says K-pop is a mixture of like the genre, a mixture of visuals, but like mm-hmm. BTS, it's even more. It's a mixture of uh, emotion. Yeah. So it's a bright and sad at the same time. That kind of, I think that kind of, oh, what should I say? Vibe is what made them so special. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, like we said, really emotional. Uh, they have like the lowest points of emotion in their songs. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you listen to an album uh, put out by them, uh, they always end or like wrap wrap the album up with a positive vibe. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's not forced to be positive, but it feels like. But, you know, it is what it is. We got to move on. Yeah. We have a life ahead. Uh, you know, you got a love. You got a life going on. And we're young. We can do it. Yeah. I mean, beca- maybe it's because we're living in a too tough times. But I think that happens with all kinds of art forms, like movie. Right. Like after MCU, every movie almost was forced to be happy ending. Mm-hmm. Like, everything everywhere all at once it's an art film obviously it's a small art film but it's very positive yeah it gives you energy when you when it ends i think that kind of mood is like part of like bts is part of that like they're very emotional and they're very emo but it always ends with positivity but it, but it's never forced yeah uh, it's never forced uh, uh really philosophical in a way like it's natural yeah yeah uh and it's crazy because I never thought I could uh, think deep uh, mm. while listening to a K-pop idol song because, you know, it's a pop music. Yeah. So I never thought that I would think deeply. 
but it made me think. It made me kind of love myself in a way. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. So that's the point of RM and like what he do- did in the speech at the UN, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of shows in their music too. And after that, there were pop singles, like super mega hit singles like Dynamite, Butter, Permission to Dance. And after that, now they're kind of, you know, their music is not controlled by Bang Siok at all after that because no. he's not even in a credit. But I think even the decision of like making them like set them free as a pop musician is very special kind. I think because mm-hmm. it's hard to like lose your grip. I mean, you're a producer of like the best idol group in the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to actually set them free. But that's what he did, and it works even now. Like right now, we are actually well, recording this, and a couple months ago, just. Like the seven from Jungkook. Oh yeah, got Google number one. It was not just number one; it was like a real number one. <laughs> you know? Yeah, a really big song. Yeah, really big song. So actually, his strategies keep working. So that was like a BTS era of Bang Xiao, which is probably one of the most important part of his life and also of BTS life. It was basically the most beautiful moment in their lives. Yeah. But now we have to move on, and even after that, his music and his career got even. Bigger because because of BTS he kind of like was successfully gained all those money from the stock market. And yeah. Now what he did was actually buying companies, right? Yeah, right. Uh, buying companies uh, and creating a one big label. Yeah. Uh, you know, such as Pledis Entertainment, uh, King of the Jungle by Zico, uh, and you know Source Music. Yeah. And All Doors, uh, One Room by mm. Min Hee Jin, and all those companies, and he kind of built his own uh, label, I guess. And I don't want to say empire because that makes him kind of, you know, like sound uh, evil or something. <laughs> But he built an empire for himself, uh, uh, not in a bad way, a positive way, I yeah, guess. Exactly. Uh, and ever since then, he's been. Moving forward, uh, he's been breaking the limits every time. Yeah, I mean, uh, that makes sense. I mean, he is a pioneer in every, even a business way, right? I mean, he's a pioneer. He always made a new road, and he didn't just stop. He could just become BTS manager, and yeah, he'll be one of the richest person ever in Korea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he never stopped there, and he bought all those music and like source music was actually one of the co-worker from JYP. Oh yeah, yeah. So like he had all those friends, and then some of friends he actually gathered, and like they become one team again, basically. So Bang Shiok's label Hype is like a it's like a huge music label, like Sony, I guess, but it's mm-hmm. K-pop. And then he not only bought K-pop, he, like the Hype America, the CEO is uh, Scooter Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. Used to be the manager of the Bieber. Just, Justin Bieber, yeah, yeah, Ariana Grande, or like he's a hit maker basically. Yeah, and they made other hip hop label, right? He bought. Uh, he bought. He recently bought Quality Control, mm. which is like an Atlanta-based hip hop label. You know, has artists such as Lil Yachty, uh, Lil Baby, yeah, or the Migos. Uh, basically, yeah. one of the biggest rap label actually. Yeah, right now, currently. Right. Yeah, uh, and then that's. 
really amazing to think of like how like Migos and BTS and, yeah. and New Jeans are at the same label. That's like ridiculous. It's but, crazy. Yeah. And he's making like his one big empire to make a infrastructure. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. He wants to make an infrastructure for K-pop and makes music for it. But one thing I wanted to point out is actually very interesting is he's not in a credit for BTS now, mm-hmm. but he's in a credit for produ- the groups like TXT and yeah. Hyphen and Le Seraphim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, that's very interesting. Recently, yeah. And all the songs that was created by him, which I included in the at the end of the list, were very Bang Shihok like actually, mm-hmm. like it. It has some kind of this melancholy, like, energetic, positive vibes in it. Yeah, and it has like very catchy tunes. So like, I, and actually, those three singles were this. I didn't know those have Bang Shihok's touch, but those three singles are one of my favorite hype singles. Yeah, me too. Recently, and that's kind of interesting. So let's talk about it. Like. Is there anything you want to talk about, like maybe Polaroid Love? Because that's more, I think Polaroid Love is, although a K-pop single, mm-hmm. it's kind of vibes well with your music. Uh, yeah. So I got to say, uh, it's more my type of music. Mm. Uh, my favorite type of music. Yeah. You know, really catchy, really light. Uh, but it has those emotions to it as well. Yeah. Uh, and I remember it came out when I was like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently 19, by the way. Oh, uh, gosh, you're young. I know it's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, I'm a teenager and I use TikTok a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I use like Instagram Reels or YouTube Shorts or whatever. Sure. Uh, uh, and I remember like their, like their song, the single Polaroid Love, like kept popping up. On the short po- short flat platforms, yeah, uh, and you know it was very catchy, mm-hmm. very melancholic in a way, very energetic in a way, yeah, and it was very trendy. Uh, exactly, you know those you know retro type of wave that that kept booming. It's trendy because it's a Polaroid camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, ironic. right, right, right. It's very ironic to me. Yeah, yeah. So I thought this song was put out to be. The trendy one, uh-huh. like I guess, the young song, I guess, uh, because you know, N hyphen, they're also very young. Yeah. Uh, and they they debuted, I mean, quite a while ago, but still, you know, they're not like a veteran K-pop group. Uh, so I guess it was. I thought the song was really young. It had that youth type of energy in it. So I never thought Mr. Bang would be involved in it <laughs> at all. Uh, but. You know, apparently he did have a part in the song. He was in the credits. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where uh, he touched on the song, but still, his involvement in the song really surprised me. It's very trendy and very, and I can think of like it vibes well also with Bang Shiok's career because it's very melancholic and yeah, very emotional. Definitely. And um, one thing, one single I wanted to point out was actually the. Eve's Pushike and Bluebeard's Wife. Oh, yeah. That single, it's actually right now, Lissera Film's the biggest hit right now. Yeah. He's, the, they are doing work right now. And that single to me was very interesting because uh, whenever I hear Bang Shiok's music, I think, I I felt it, but I think you guys will 
feel it if you check the spot the Spotify list that I'll put that his use of hi-hat like drums especially hi-hat is really clever yeah it's very interesting it's there's before I am I'll be honest before I prepare I was preparing for this podcast I never thought of Bang Xiao had like a very unique special his own sound yeah because like least amount of SM has his own sound no one can miss it but no. the JYP nope. he, he has a very 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 like special unique sound of his he, almost his own universe music universe that you can't miss it but I thought Bang Xiao was more like a doing it everything like he's like a MacGyver lives he's like he can do everything type guy but no of course he did every, he can do everything sure but like he has his own style very distinguishable and yeah artistic yeah very artistic it has a very like his own sort of emotional vibe like tone and manner in it yeah and also his the way of way he used like drum source I, I never thought of it that, that way but it's really intriguing like and then yeah. that that clever use of hi-hat is actually also like you can find that in the Lucifer film single Eve Pushik and Boobier's Wife because mm-hmm. it's just it's a very deep house music it's just very simple yeah it's almost like American music simple yeah but when you listen to it carefully the use of drum is crazy it's yeah constantly evolving into and that's why it's not boring it's K-pop because K-pop should always change right yeah so that's like the identity of K-pop music yeah yeah so like although it sounds like Beyonce or Drake's house music Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's very simple and very one tone but like because of the beat and crazy changing of those hi-hats it's it felt like K-pop to me and that's very interesting to me because like I can feel I mean I don't know how how much he was in, involved in the project probably not much he's too busy but I can see like the continuity of like his musical talent yeah like it's you can see his impact on it so like that was very interesting to me like I thought of him more of a strategist and just do everything he you want to like his music like nickname of his credit was Hitman Bang. Yeah, Hitman. You know why it's Hitman Bang? Uh, probably he makes hit. I don't know. No, no, no. His his name is Hitman Bang, not because he kills person or he makes a hit, oh, 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 but oh. because he's a mercenary. Oh. Once you ask me to do it, I'll do it for you. That's <laughs> that's why it's Hitman Bang. That's clever. Yeah. Yeah, it's very clever, <laughs> and it kind of and it's Hitman, so it kind of sounds like you know, very hip-hop like too yeah yeah because yeah <laughs> yeah although you don't see him as a hip-hop producer but when you see his early day music it's yeah, very definitely. very innovative hip-hop like the taming the playboy by ses uh-huh. or the om Jong-hwan music the come to, come me. to me yeah that yeah. was very timbaland and the friday night the that's the music that i picked to start this is bangshi a playlist because to me that's the that's the moment when the Korean mass kind of like was introduced to Bang Siok's music, mm-hmm. like that very very clever urban hip hop sound, that has a crazy beat, beat the drum too, like the high heat, like definitely. That's very interesting. And then to me, although he has he we don't think of him as like a hip hop artist or hip hop producer, and he doesn't even position himself as hip hop artist much. Mm-hmm. 
you can see his like, uh, what should I say? Inspiration. Yeah, inspiration of yeah. hip hop and his, like, his influence yeah. by hip hop too. Actually, by sound for sure. For sure. Yeah, but one thing ironic is that the all at the at the beginning of BTS, uh, BTS wanted to position themselves as a hip hop group too. Yeah. And hip hop community, some of them did not like it. Uh no. <laughs> yeah, so there was a hip hop podcast by Korean Critic, and then there was BTS member of some member of BTS and P Dog and Bang Siok, and then there was a the rapper called Be Free. I think all the BTS fans knows it. Literally. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a beef <laughs> between those two, and it, was, it went crazy. Yeah, I didn't want to like degrade someone or anything. I just wanted to point out that BTS was not well received at first. Nope. Yeah, and I think it's ironic because I think even in the USA or pop, you know, industry, they receive BTS very well. It's okay. It's a new kind of hip hop or new yeah. kind of pop. Yeah, and it feels authentic, right? Oh, uh, it's very authentic and it's very unique. Yeah, I think that's what kind of like set them apart from all those other musicians mm-hmm. in Korea. Like, may- maybe there were musicians who. Had like a better quality, yeah, maybe, uh, but like they were not as authentic. And BTS was crazy authentic, crazy like very unique, yeah, in their own sound and for in- sure emotional and like the vibe. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what. And then the biggest part of it is Bang Shio kind of let them do it. <laughs> oh, I I don't think Bang Shio like control them to do it or plan to. Make them to Billboard number one. It has all BTS members' talents, but mm-hmm. he kind of supported them to do it and pushed them up to like just keep going. Yeah, and then so the team did not like set apart as a solos, and the team did not actually get gave up their like uniqueness and you know went to like a typical K-pop songs or anything. Yeah. They just kept on going and just being a supporter of that. BTS, I think that's enough for like the one of the best producer ever. So, yeah, that was pretty much it about what we prepared for Bang Shiok. So before we wrap up, like, is there anything you want to say more about Bang Shiok or something you want to point out? Uh oh yeah, uh one last thing. Yeah. Uh, like you pointed out, Eve Shike and uh, Bluebeard's, Bluebeard's wife. wife. Yeah. That's such a long title. Yeah. <laughs> that's a point. <laughs> but Seraphim. Uh, you know the kick drums on the song yeah. is really uh, influenced by the American Jersey Club oh, or yeah. Baltimore Club uh, type of vibe. Really trendy, uh, but you know, like you said, uh, the song itself has a really crazy hi hat, uh, hi hat in it, yeah. uh, and really distinctive from any other American Jersey Club music. So I guess that is like the essence of K-pop music, mm. like. I don't think us Koreans have our own like really distinctive uh, instruments or drum patterns, or I guess. But uh, Korean artists, K-pop groups, K-pop companies—they really get the inspiration and create our own vibes into it. And I guess Mr. Bang did it very well in his own way, uh, like creating his own vibe. Uh, mm. t- by getting inspiration from, you know, Western or Eastern music, and 
And at the end of the day, he created his own thing. BTS also, uh, they created his own. They they created their own music. Mm. Uh, that's crazy, I guess. Uh, so people think of K-pop as uh, really constantly changing music. I guess. Yeah. I think that's like the essence of K-pop. Uh, really adaptive, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I I guess Mr. Bang, kind of. Uh, put the inspiration into it, like constantly changing dynamic, uh, energetic type of vibe. Oh, nice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm. I wanted to point out, like the. I just kind of like it. Kind of popped me up my mind, like when I was hearing you, your music. I think, Lusterfim and BTS are classic example of another aspect of beat the Bangshi up, which is storyline. Like mm-hmm. he, like of course BTS, they wrote their own lyrics and. Lucifer, they never write their own r- lyrics, so it's a very different group. But both of them has like this authentic vibe in their lyrics. It's yeah. like feels like it's about themselves, which is not like it's it's hard to find that in the K-pop industry actually, because yeah. it's more about the concept and your members are into it. Well, yeah. nowadays it's more authentic, especially boy bands. But it used to be NS for sure. But yeah. I think. Bang Shiyak has his own kind of way of creating or more like producing storylines in it, which is kind of intriguing to me. Like right now, I'm like you can call me a K-pop journalist, K-pop novelist, or K-pop critics, whatever. But I'm not a critic for sure. But one of the thing that I do is actually ma- writing a novel about like a about like a fake. K-pop group, uh-huh. so it's about so it's all actually about producing a K-pop group actually, oh, not just oh. the music but the story. I that's, don't produce music. That's dope. <laughs> that's interesting, but like to me, Bang Shiyeok is like the master of that. Although he never writes it, he never writes it. But with the BTS, it's the members who wrote it. I believe it's them. But like, there's no way like, adults can like copy their mood like BTS. Yeah. It's very authentic. But he's kind of like Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige of the Marvel, Marvel studio. Yeah, because he never writes the script. He's no. kind of in there and executing and controlling the atmosphere, right? Just yeah, he's the one that put it puts it together, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's a leader. He doesn't actually force them to write something or anything. He just you know give them opinions and just make it ex- execute actually. And that worked extremely well, obviously, with BTS. Yeah. And with Lil Seraphim, it's even harder version because now they don't write it, mm-hmm. but there's a lyricist, but they do interview the members yeah, and make a lyrics of their storylines based off of their interview. Yeah, and also Lil Seraphim, their background story yeah. is, like, super interesting. It's very crazy, like, yeah. Some of them are from the K-pop edition programs. Yeah. And, like... You know, although they had some of like uh, past issues, I'm not saying they're ha- they have the issue. Like they've been in like so many hardships yeah. in their life, but they overcame. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that brings in like so much energy and uh, dynamics yeah, into o- their music. Yeah, authenticity. Like, yeah. Like, like the, there's a member of all the Lucerian fans will know it, but like the Sakura, she used oh, to be yeah. the top star in Japan. Yeah. But she gave basically. it away to 
do the audition, right? Yeah, to join uh, Eyes One. Yeah, right. And then after that audition was done, then she debuted again, became trainee, trainee again <laughs> in Hyman, re-debuted like the third times to debut this group, Blue Seraphim. So who better can like sing anti-fragile than her? Right? Yeah. It's just the debut is like the hardest for the K-pop artists because yeah. there's so many competition and she did it three times. Wow, <laughs> she, that's <and> crazy. <laughs> she used to be the pop star in Japan and she did it twice again which kind of like shows, like proves that she's anti-fragile basically. Yeah, she's built for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that kind of, I think the way how he like produce the authentic pop music that suits well with that member is kind of unique power that Bang Shiok does. I think that's that kind of intrigues me the most. This part I knew even before I prepared for this episode, but all other things like his artistic, his emotions or his crazy beat making, though those I've kind of missed out. I'm really I feel sorry for myself actually. <laughs> I've never I never like was taking like I thought I knew Bang Shiok, but like the more I listen to his music, the more I research it, I actually have more respect in it, actually. Yeah, definitely. And one last word that I really liked was, although he was this part, definitely talented and very smart guy, he never overcome, like, passed his line. He always let other people do his talent, like, shine their pet talents. Yeah. Like BTS. I think it's true that BTS was, like, driven by all the members especially RM but like all even like Suga or all the members yeah but let them do it and make them put it together is it's maybe even harder to do than actually let control them to make good one you know mm-hmm. like it's really hard to actually let them do it and that kind of leadership is one thing that like I think Bang Shio was like stand off from any other producer in Korea because we'll talk about other producers like well, Bang Park Jin Young, like Jin Young Park JYP, and Suman Lee of SM, yeah, and Min Hee Jin of Adore, but unlike other three producers, I think Bang Shiok is the only one person who you can say he let other person do the work. Uh huh. Other three people, they are like, they're crazy successful, very extremely talented. I love their music, but you can see they control their works. Yeah, they are the leaders. So they are the one who's behind this, like all the plans, mm-hmm. Mega Mind. But Bang Shiok, you can see they he let BTS members do it, and that's I think even harder. That's almost like an impossible task. Yeah, that's which is very interesting to me. Yeah, come to think of it, you write your own song, right, June? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the? Oh, do you think that makes a difference? Like that. To like for the artist to obviously it does, but like what does it makes like what kind of difference does it make for the artist to write their own songs and t- make their own melody top line uh-huh. and participate in produce making? I guess uh, you uh, put in the depth in your music uh, by yourself. I guess uh, like no one does it for you. Yeah, you just do it for yourself. Oh. So. I, I guess it gets more personal. Uh, you put more personal experiences into it. And, you know, I work with a lot of songwriters and producers as well. Yeah. But most of the part, I try to do it myself. Uh, 
And I guess that's because, uh, you know, like the most, uh, like the famous uh, Korean filmmaker Bong Joon-ho said, the most personal story is the most global one. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he said it the exact way I did. Sort of like that, but... Yeah, but, you know, I guess that's how I believe it. Like, the most personal story gets the most, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, uh... Most sympathy? Yeah, sympathy. Uh, well, BTS is pr- probably one of the best ex- evidence yeah, of yeah, that, yeah. actually. Because they were so personal. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, the most global group ever. Thanks for sharing that. Right, that's, I think, the uh, end of the episode for today. And mm-hmm. next time we'll talk about, like, before Bang Xiyuk, there was this guy. Like, Bang Xiyuk is, like, you can say, like, the second emperor <laughs> of the K-pop. <laughs> but the first one, obviously, is Suman Lee of SM. Oh, man. You can't <laughs> deny. He he basically invented K-pop. <laughs> so yeah. so you, you can say Bang Xiyuk is the one who finished it by BTS but Suman Lee was the person who actually invented K-pop so we'll talk about it so we'll come back next week so stay tuned and see you next week see you next week (laughs) bye bye